Chapter twenty two of The Well at the World's End, Book One The Road Unto Love. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Grace Garrett. Book One of The Well at the World's End by William Morris. Chapter twenty two An Adventure in the Wood. Ralph arrayed himself for departure next morning, without more words, and when he was ready the carline said to him, When thou wentest forth before, I was troubled at thy going, and feared for thy returning, but now I fear not, for I know thou wilt return, though it may be leading a fair woman by the hand. So go, and all luck go with thee. Ralph smiled at her words and went his ways, and came into the wood that lay due south from the castle, and he went on and on, and had no thought of turning back. He rested twice, and still went on, till the fashion of the thickets in the woods changed about him, and at last, when the sun was getting low, he saw a light gleaming through a great wood of pines, which had long been dark before him against the tall boles, and soon he came to the very edge of the wood, and going heedfully, saw between the great stems of the outermost trees a green strand, and beyond it a long smooth water, a little lake between the green banks on either side. He came out of the pine-wood on to the grass, but there were thorn-bushes a few about, so that moving warily from one to the other, he might perchance see without being seen. Warily he went forsooth, going along the green strand to the east and the head of that water, and saw how the bank sloped up gently from its ending toward the pine-wood, in front of whose close-set trees stood three great bold tall oak-trees on a smooth piece of green sward and now he saw that there were folk come before him on this green place. And keen-sighted as he was, could make out that three men were on the hither side of the oak-trees, and on the further side of them was a white horse. Thitherward then he made, stealing from bush to bush, since he deemed that he needed not to be seen of men, who might be foes, for at the first sight he had noted the gleam of weapons there. And now he had gone no long way, before he saw the westering sun shine brightly from a naked sword, and then another sprang up to meet it, and he heard faintly the clash of steel, and saw withal that the third of the folk had long and light raiment, and was a woman belike. Then he bettered his pace, and in a minute or two came so near that he could see the men clearly, that they were clad in knightly war-gear, and were laying on great strokes, so that the still place rang with the clatter. As for the woman, he could see but little of her, because of the fighting men before her, and the shadow of the oak-boughs fell on her withal. Now as he went, hidden by the bushes, they hid the men also from him, and when he was come to the last bush, some fifty paces from them, and peered out from it, in that very nick of time the two knights were breathing them somewhat, and Ralph saw that one of them, the furthest from him, was a very big man with a blue surcoat, whereon was beaten a great golden sun, and the other, whose back was towards Ralph, was clad in black over his armour even as he looked and doubted whether to show himself or not, he of the sun raised his sword aloft, and giving forth a great roar, as of wrath and grief mingled together, rushed on his foe and smote so fiercely that he fell to the earth before him, and the big man fell upon him as he fell, and let knee and sword pommel and fist follow the stroke, and there they wallowed on the earth together. Straightway Ralph came forth from the bushes with his drawn sword in his hand, and even therewith, what with the two knights being both low upon the earth, 
what with the woman herself coming from out the shadow of the oak boughs, and turning her toward Ralph, he saw her clearly, and stood staring and amazed, for lo, it was the lady whom he had delivered at the wantways. His heart well nigh stood still with joy, yet was he shamefaced also, for though she was no longer clad in that scanty raiment, yet did he seem to see her body through that which covered it. But now her attire was but simple, a green gown, thin and short, and thereover a coat hardy of black cloth with orphies of gold and colours, but on her neck was a collar that seemed to him like to that which Dame Catherine had given him, and the long tresses of her hair, which had he erst seen floating loose about her, were round as a garland around her head. She looked with a flushed and joyous face on Ralph, and seemed as if she heeded not the battle of the knights, but saw him only. But he feared her, and his love for her, and stood still, and durst not move forward to go to her. Thus they abode for about the space of one minute, and meanwhile the big man rose up on one knee, and studied him with his sword for a moment of time, and the blade was bloody from the point halfway up to the hilt. But the black knight lay still, and made no sign of life. Then the knight of the sun rose up slowly, and stood on his feet, and faced the lady, and seemed not to see Ralph, for his back was towards him. He came slowly toward the lady, scowling, and his face white as chalk. Then he spake to her coldly and sternly, stretching out his bloody sword before her. I have done thy bidding, and slain my very earthly friend of friends for thy sake. Wherewith wilt thou reward me? Then once more Ralph heard the voice, which he remembered so sweet amidst the peril and battle aforetime, as she said as coldly as the knight, I bade thee not. Thine own heart bade thee to strive with him, because thou deemedst that he loved me. Be content, thou hast slain him who stood in thy way, as thou deemedst. Thinkest thou that I rejoice at his slaying? Oh, no, I grieve at it, for all that I had such good cause to hate him. He said, My own heart, my own heart, half of my heart biddeth me slay thee, who hast made me slay him. What wilt thou give me? She knit her brow and spake angrily. Leave, to depart, she said. Then after a while, and in a kinder voice, And thus much of my love, that I pray thee not to sorrow for me, but to have a good heart, and live as a true knight should. He frowned. Wilt thou go with me? said he. Not uncompelled, she said. If thou biddest me go with threats of hewing and mangling the body which thou sayest thou lovest, needst must I go then. Yet scarce wilt thou do this. I have a mind to try it, said he. If I set thee on thine horse, and bound thine hands for thee, and linked thy feet together under the beast's belly, belike thou wouldest come, shall I have slain my brother in arms for naught? Thou hast the mind, said she, hast thou the might? So I deem, said he, smiling grimly. She looked at him proudly, and said, Yea, but I misdoubt me thereof. He still had his back to Ralph, and was staring at the lady. She turned her head a little, and made a sign to Ralph, just as the knight of the sun said, Thou misdoubtest thee. Who shall help thee in the desert? Look over thy left shoulder, she said. He turned and saw Ralph drawing near, sword in hand, smiling, but somewhat pale. He drew aback from the lady, and spinning round on his heel, faced Ralph, and cried out, 
ha thou hast raised up a devil against me thou sorceress to take me from my grief and my lust and my life fair will the game be to fight with thy devil as i have fought with my friend yet now i know not whether i shall slay him or thee she spake not but stood quietly looking on him not unkindly while a wind came up from the water and played with a few light locks of hair that hung down from that ruddy crown and blew her raiment from her feet and wrapped it close round her limbs and ralph beheld her and close as was the very death to him for huge and most warlike was his foeman yet longing for her melted the heart within him and he felt the sweetness of life in his inmost soul as he had never felt it before suddenly the knight of the sun turned about to the lady again and fell down on his knees before her and clasped his hands as one praying and said now pardon me all my words i pray thee and let this young man depart unhurt whether thou maddest him or hast but led him away from country and friends and all then do thou come with me and make some semblance of loving me and suffer me to love thee and then shall all be well for in a few days we will go back to thy people and there will i be their lord or thy servant or my brother's man or what thou wilt O oh, wilt thou not let the summer days be sweet? But she spake, holding up her head proudly, and speaking in a clear, ringing voice. I have said that uncompelled I will not go with thee at all. And therewithal she turned her face toward Ralph, as she might do on any chance-met courteous man, and he saw her smiling. But she said not to him, and gave no token of knowing him. Then the knight of the sun sprang to his feet, and shook his sword above his head, and ran furiously on Ralph, who leapt nimbly on one side, else had he been slain at once, and fetched a blow at the sun-knight, and smote him, and brake the mails on his left shoulder, so that the blood sprang, and fell on fiercely enough, smiting to right and left, as the other gave back his first onset. But all was for naught, for the knight of the sun, after giving a back under the first stroke, drew himself up stark and stiff and pressing on through all ralph's strokes though they rent his mail here and there ran within his sword and smote him furiously upon the sword pommel on the side of the head so that the young man of upmeads could not stand up under the weight of the blow but fell to the earth swooning and the knight of the sun knelt on him and drew out an anlace short thick and sharp and cried out now devil let's see whether thou wilt bleed black therewith he raised up his hand but the weapon was stayed or ever it fell for the lady had glided up to them when she saw that ralph was overcome and now she stretched out her arm and caught hold of the knight's hand and the anlace withal and he groaned and cried out what now thou art strong-armed as well as wide-armed for she had rent the sleeve back from her right arm and he laughed at the extremity of his wrath. But she was pale, and her lips quivered as she said softly and sweetly, Wilt thou verily slay this young man? And why not? said he, since I have just slain the best friend that I ever had, though he was not willing to fight with me, and only for this, that I saw thee toying with him, though forsooth thou hast said truly that thou hast more reason to hate him than love him well since thou wilt not have this youngling slain i may deem at least that he is no devil of thy making 
else wouldst thou be glad of his slaying, so that he might be out of the path of thee. So a man he is, and a well-favoured one, and young and valiant as it seemeth. So I suppose that he is thy lover, or will be some day. Well then. And he lifted his hand again, but again she stayed him, and said, Look thou, I will buy him of thee, and indeed I owe him a life. How is that? said he. Why wouldst thou know? she said. Who thou, if thou hadst me in thy hands again, wouldst keep me away from all men? Yea, I know what thou wouldst say. Thou wouldst keep me from sinning again. And she smiled but bitterly. Well, the tale is no long one. Five days ago I was taken by them of the burg, and thou wottest what they would do with me. Yea, even if they deemed me less than they do deem me, well, as two of their men-at-arms were leading me along by the halter, as a calf is led to the butcher, we fell in with this goodly lad, who slew them both in manly fashion, and I escaped for that time. Though forsooth, I must needs put my neck in the noose again, in delivering four of our people, who would else have been tormented to death by the burghers. Well, said the knight, perchance thou hast more mercy than I looked for of thee, though I misdoubt thee, that thou mayst yet pray me or some other to slay him for thee. Thou art merciful, my queen, though not to me, and a churl were I if I were less merciful than thou. Therefore I will give his life to him, yet not to thee will I give him if I may help it. Lo you, sweet, he is just opening his eyes. Therewith he rose up from Ralph, who raised himself a little and sat up dazed and feeble. The knight of the sun stood up over him beside the lady, with his hands clasped on his sword-hilt, and said to Ralph, Young man, canst thou hear my words? Ralph smiled feebly, and nodded a yeasay. Dost thou love thy life, then? said the knight. Ralph found speech, and said faintly, Yea, said the knight. Where dost thou come from, and where is thine home? said Ralph. Upmeads. Well then, quoth the big knight, go back to Upmeads and live. Ralph shook his head and knit his brows and said, I will not. Yea, said the knight, thou wilt not live? Then must I shape me to thy humour? Stand on thy feet and fight it out, for now I am cool and will not slay a swordless man. Ralph staggered up to his feet, but was so feeble still that he sank down again and muttered, I may not, I am sick and faint, and therewith swooned away again. But the knight stood a while, leaning on his sword, and looking down on him, not unkindly. Then he turned about to the lady, but lo, she had left his side, she had glided away, and got to her horse, which was tethered on the other side of the oak tree, and had loosed him and mounted him, and so sat and saddle there. The reins gathered in her hands. She smiled on the knight, as he stood astonished, and cried to him, now, Lord, I warn thee, draw not a single foot nigher to me, for thou seest that I have silverfax between my knees, and thou knowest how swift he is, and if I see thee move, he shall spring away with me. Thou wottest how well I know all the ways of the woodland, and I tell thee that the ways behind me to the dry tree be all safe and open, and that beyond the gliding river I shall come on Roger of the rope-walk and his men, and if thou thinkest to ride after me and overtake me, Cast the thought out of thy mind, for thy horse is strong and heavy, 
but is meet for so big a knight. And moreover he is many yards away from me in Silverfax, so before thou art in the saddle, where shall I be? Yea, for the knight was handling his anlace. Thou mayst cast it, and peradventure mayst hit Silverfax and not me, and peradventure not, and I deem that it is my body alive that thou wouldst have back with thee. So now wilt thou hearken? Yea, quoth the knight, though for wrath he could scarce bring the word from his mouth. Hearken, she said, this is the bargain to be struck between us. Even now thou wouldst not refrain from slaying this young man, and thus perchance he should swear to depart from us. And as for me, I would not go back with thee to some home, where erst thou shamedst me. Now will I buy thy naysay with mine. And if thou give the youngling his life, and suffer him to come his ways with us, then I will go home with thee, and will ride with thee in all the love and duty that I owe thee. Or if thou like this fashion of words better, I will give thee my body for his life. But if thou likest not the bargain, there is not another piece of goods for thee in the market. For then I will ride my ways to the dry tree, and thou shalt slay the poor youth, or make him thy sworn friend, like was Walter, which thou wilt. So she spake, and Ralph yet lay on the grass and heard not. But the knight's face was dark and swollen with anger as he answered, my sworn friend yea i understand thy gibe i need not thy words to bring to my mind how i have slain one sworn friend for thy sake nay she said not for my sake for thine own folly's sake he heeded her not but went on and as for this one i say again of him if he be not thy devil then thou meanest him for thy lover and now I deem that I will verily slay him ere he wake again, belike it were his better luck. She said, I wot not why thou hagglest over the price of that thou wouldst have. If thou have him along with thee, shall he not be in thy power, as I shall be? And thou mayst slay him, or me, when thou wilt. Yea, he said grimly, when thou art wary of him. Oh, art thou not shameless amongst women? Yet must I needs pay thy price, though my honour and the welfare of my life go with it. Yet how if he have no will to fare with us? She laughed and said, Then shalt thou have him with thee as thy captive and thrall. Hast thou not conquered him in battle? He stood silent a moment, and then he said, Thou sayest it, he shall come with me. Will he, nil he, unarmed, and as a prisoner, and the spoil of my valiancy. And he laughed, not altogether in bitterness, but as if some joy were rising in his heart. Now, my queen, said he, the bargain is struck betwixt us, and thou mayest light down off Silverfax. As for me, I will go fetch water from the lake, that we may wake up this valiant and mighty youth, this new-found jewel, and bring him to his wits again. She answered not, but rode her horse close to him, and lighted down nimbly, while his greedy eyes devoured her beauty. Then he took her hand, and drew her to him, and kissed her cheek, and she suffered it, but kissed him not again. Then he took off his helm, and went down to the lake, to fetch up water therein. End of chapter 22